0: Or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to u-turnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest.
1: It's like, it's not our job to anticipate what someone else's response is going to be. It's just our job to, as you were saying, tune in really see what the desires are, because a lot of times we're not aware of them. No one's really taught us how to do this for the most part.
0: Hey, U-Turners. It's Ash here. Of course, another week on the U-Turn Podcast. And I've got to admit, this is slowly becoming my favorite category, which is so weird being a career coach. But we have another week on the love category with Evan Littman. She's a dating and love life coach. And I figured she'd be an incredible person for us to really set the standard of what do you really want in your love life and how do you ask for it? So she helps a lot of single women with their dating lives. Um But I think that this is going to apply to anybody. If, if you're in a relationship that's not working, you want to ask for what you want, or you want to really dig deep within yourself and realize if it's working for you or not. So Evan, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to dive into this with you.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're going to find that I'm slowly going to be asking you all sorts of questions about my own love life. So buckle up and put your helmet on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm curious, like what got you so curious about this kind of work? Because I I always find that people in the love category especially are drawn to this work through their own pain usually. Um, So talk to me, like what got you interested in doing this?
1: Yeah, I mean, my love life has always been perfect. So I actually didn't have to deal with that. I'm just kidding. Yeah, totally. It it absolutely was my own, my own struggles, my own years of really frustrated dating, really feeling disempowered in my own love life, feeling like um, I had this deep desire for partnership and connection and intimacy and to be seen. But then the way I was showing up was with so much fear and. I just felt like I was not in the driver's seat of my own love life. Like I was able to take so much empowered action in my career and I was cultivating great friendships and had all of these other kind of life boxes checked. And then year after year I just felt totally stuck and and repeating old patterns and um, you know, ending up in these what I call situationships <laughs> and really feeling deeply unfulfilled. So I, of course, just got curious and got on the path of how do I level up for myself. And at the same time, I was getting certified as a life coach and just kind of all unfolded so beautifully that it became really clear to me, this is my passion and my purpose to be able to share what I've been learning and inspire other women along the journey.
0: Mm, I love it. and. You know, it's so interesting because I consider myself empowered like you are. Like, I'm like, Oh, my career. Like, I'm creative. I'm excited. But for a really long time before I got into the relationship I'm in now, um, I was totally like asked saying I wanted something, but putting up with something else. And I'll never forget on the, um, the episode with Evan Mark Katz. Do you know who he is? The oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He said to us, like, you don't get what you attract. You get what you put up with. And. Yeah that never left me. That never left me because I think in the spiritual world, there's a lot of bypassing of like, I keep attracting this. And it's like, you know, so I'm curious for women who are kind of like I used to be where it's like, they're empowered in their career, but they're not in their love life. Like, what is that about? Like what drives that level of settling when we are pushing and thriving in so many other areas, do you think? Yeah, I think that's really well said. The attraction when when we just talk about who we're attracting, which I do believe
1: in and I believe in our our frequency and all of that, but we really give up some of the personal responsibility when we just talk about attracting. It, it feels very passive versus really looking at who we're choosing, yeah. who we're choosing to continue engaging with. Like, you know, you're you're a year in with this person who isn't treating you how you want to be treated or isn't giving you commitment or isn't consistent with you and we're like why did I attract him? And it's like, why, why are you still in it? Right? Yeah. Why are you tolerating that? So I think at, at our core, it always is going to come down to our sense of our own worthiness and what we really believe we deserve. Mm. Right? If we're crystal clear that we deserve better, that we are, that we are worthy no matter, no matter what, right? No matter that we're imperfect, no matter what our weight is on any given day, no matter all of the other, you know, arbitrary external factors that our society tells us dictate our, our our worthiness. If we really believe at our core that we're worthy, that we're deserving, that our desires are valid, we, we won't tolerate less, Thank right? You. We
0: won't. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, that was such a big sneeze. I feel like a new person. Um, <laughs> Like I actually want to challenge this and I've never challenged it before. And only because of myself, like, I don't know if it's my ego wanting to think, I already think I'm worthy. I thought that the whole time or what, but there's a part of me that it's kind of like when you're at the nail salon and they offer you the five minute massage and you don't have time for the 60 minute or, like it kind of feels like, well, something feels better than nothing. So I think even right. though you could look at it and say worthiness, what if it's like the woman, is, it feels like she's winning. Like, well, I, I enjoy this connection for what it is, even though it's causing me some sort of pain or it's occupying a space in my life that should probably be free for the right person. Like, mm-hmm. does it always have to be about worthiness or can it be like, there's an empowered woman that's like, yeah, this guy isn't that great, but I'm doing this because I enjoy the connection we have. And is there an empowerment in that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We we don't all need to
1: want, you know, only a certain type of committed romantic partnership at any given time, right? We can absolutely from an empowered place choose to have a casual relationship, choose to have a sexual relationship, choose to have something that's open. Like all of that is valid. That absolutely is part of being empowered is saying it's actually not about other people's judgments of my situation or of my relationship. It's what I truly want. So if that's what you want and it feels good and it feels like you are actively choosing and choosing from a place of desire, not fear. I think that's really the big shift is there can be fear. Fear can really mess with our heads where we can sometimes not saying all the time. Sometimes we can convince ourselves this, this really does feel good enough. Like this is worth it to me to be in this. And if we look a little bit deeper, the fear might be, I don't actually know if there's something better out there for me or if I'll be able to find it or if I'll be able to keep it if I do find it. Right. Or maybe there's another fear. Maybe the fear is like, I have a lot of women, a lot of clients who are you know, have incredible careers and work lives and businesses. And sometimes our fear is if I have a committed partnership, maybe that will take away from my, maybe that will disempower me in my career. Mm
2: -hmm. Maybe I can't have it all. Right. Right. So, right. All these, all
1: these underlying fears that sometimes keep us in something that is, you know, quote unquote, good enough or filling a void, we're getting something out of it. But isn't ultimately the thing that we most deeply desire.
0: Okay. And kind of looking at, um, all the situationships that mm-hmm. people are in, <laughs> I'm like, so into that word right now. <laughs> I used to call it relationships. Like, <laughs> Oh, I love it. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of curious to understand from your standpoint, like what are some common situationships or situation shits. Let's just really combine com- combine our powers mm-hmm. here. Like, what are some of the areas that you consistently see women settling? And I'm guessing the belief is that they can't, like, they can't get better. And that's kind of where the worthiness thing comes. Where sometimes I don't think um women are thinking they can't get better because they're not worthy. Sometimes I think they think they can't get better because there's just, they're in like scarcity. Like there's not right. somebody as great as them out there. Like maybe they think I am so worthy and there's just not a lot of men out there. So there's like different limiting beliefs that keep you from finding your guy or your your girl or whatever your sexuality is. But I'm kind of curious, um, what are the most common situations that you see women settling in even though there's always a weird situation shift that works for somebody else that maybe they don't think it's settling do you know what I mean yeah totally well first
1: of all I, I think that's a really good point those limiting beliefs around um, yeah maybe there's not someone as amazing as me maybe my standards are too high the one I hear a lot you know am I just too picky um, all all the good ones are taken by this point all, all the things right it took me five years to actually find this one person i really like it would be another five of all these these things right. we make up so yeah I, I absolutely agree with that um the common situationships yeah i, I just see a lot of it. first of all i define a situationship as it, it's more than a booty call less than a committed relationship
0: oh i've totally been in one of those it's so <laughs> oh a, a million of them yeah. yeah yeah so you know it it can
1: feel like yeah you're like but we we get dinner sometimes or like he texts me or whatever. Like it's not just a late night thing. So that keeps us feeling, maybe we feel more attached because of that. Maybe we feel like it's feeling more of that intimacy, um, that we're craving because of that. But ultimately that person isn't either, um, these are the kind of the common things, isn't either willing to make a commitment. So maybe it's actually fulfilling everything that you want in a relationship, except this person is saying, I don't want commitment. Mm -hmm. I don't want exclusivity or I don't want a label or, you know, I'm, I'm not ultimately interested in marriage and children. If that's something that you want,
0: right. What's that really about when like men want all of this connection or even women, but they don't Mm -hmm. want commitment. Like what is under someone who is it? I mean, sometimes it's fear, but what Mm -hmm. is that about? Yeah, I think fear
1: plays a huge role, and, and kind of like we were talking about, it can be, it can be some sneaky fears. Like it's not always the obvious, just very vague fear of commitment. It can be fear of losing my autonomy, mm-hmm. fear of especially um, if you look at attachment styles, right? So people who have an avoidant attachment style, for example, without kind of getting too far into the research, are still crave intimacy, still crave connection. We all do at some level. We're, we're wired biologically for that, um, but there can also be a lot of fear around. If I fully lean in to this partnership, will I lose myself? Will I lose my independence? Will I lose my autonomy, my freedom? Um, right? Fear of codependent codependence. It could come from our relationship history. Like maybe you've only you've been in partnerships that weren't really healthy or where you didn't, maybe it's a fear that you don't know how to set your own boundaries. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. So you kind of keep people at arm's length. It feels safer to not have the commitment. Maybe it's a fear that you're going to let this person down, Mm -hmm. that you actually can't be the partner you think that they want or need. Mm -hmm. And and then there's uh, on the flip side, it's also valid. I want to say, because there might be someone listening to this being like, I'm actually not afraid. I just at this point in my life, don't want it. Don't want it. Or that's not a priority to me. And that's valid. Mm-hmm. That's totally valid. We need to hear people when they tell us that.
0: That's so interesting. And I'm also really curious to understand from your standpoint when somebody doesn't want commitment. What, I always hear dating coaches. And by the way, those of you who are into attachment styles, we have an episode on that with Nora DeKaiser. So you can find that one. Um, but I'm kind of curious just why do people who don't want commitment act like they're in a committed relationship? Like, cause now it's just a label issue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So what is that? Oh, it's such a frustrating. (laughs) It's so frustrating. I can't help it. I just like, don't get it at this point. I know.
1: I know. Well, it's really tough. I mean, if you've ever been and, and I certainly have on that side of it, um, yeah, it's crazy making. Cause you're like, you know, we're like, you're, you're acting like you're my partner. Mm-hmm. And yet there's this hang up around the label or around, you know, whatever that next step is. And I, I think it's, we, we always have to, if we're willing to be introspective and to ask ourselves, okay, what is it that I'm attaching to that label? like, what are my associations with that? Mm-hmm. What have I heaped onto that? Mm-hmm. And again, maybe it's, maybe it's like, well, the last time that I committed to someone, you know, here's how it's turned out. So we've, we've like made this link in our brains. That's like, you know, me being a boyfriend equals me cheating or whatever it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. It's like, it's not actually about the label. Cause it's just, at some point it's semantics Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. when we have all the
1: elements of the relationship already.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I know a lot of people listening right now, whether they're single or they're in a relationship, people struggle to ask for what they want. And in my case, I was afraid to ask for what I wanted um, at one point in my life because I was scared I would lose the person. Mm -hmm. And so instead I decided, you know, why not just totally lose myself and keep the person? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to learn from you for anybody listening right now, I'm guessing that as they're hearing our voices, they're tuning into something in their heart that they really wish they had, whether it's in a dating situation, in a romantic relationship they're already in. And um, maybe they're accustomed to not even tuning into what they want. And because we're talking about it, they're starting to think, well, I actually wish my partner would do this. And maybe it's as simple as as like, I want you to get me flowers. And sometimes people need to be asked, you know, for what you really want. But other times it's as deep as, Hey, I need you to like reconsider how you're being with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what are some things that you think are so worth people who are listening right now, considering asking for, even though everybody's different? I think it's all worth asking for.
1: Mm. I think our desires are valid. Mm -hmm. across the board what what really is heartbreaking to me and 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 of course in part because I can identify with this so much as as being my own experience in the past as well is when clients or women in my community say to me like it is this but maybe that's too much to ask I don't want to be a burden I don't want to be too difficult you know um Or or we anticipate that that person, that that would be too much for them or that we'd be crossing a boundary of theirs. And it's like, it's not our job to anticipate what someone else's response is going to be. Mm -hmm. It's just our job to, as you were saying, tune in, really see what the desires are. Because a lot of times we're not aware of them. No one's really taught us how to do this for the most part. And then we really have to start by just validating our desires by saying to ourselves, my desire isn't wrong. Hmm. My desire isn't wrong. That doesn't mean you're going to get it, by the way. Hmm. And that doesn't mean it's wrong for someone else to say, actually, I'm not available for that. But our actual desire is never wrong.
0: Okay. But also like down to the worthiness debate, like at what point is somebody maybe asking too much? Like maybe somebody has this like big audacious dream for their love life and it's just not realistic. Is that a thing?
1: It's definitely a thing. I mean, that's the fine line of the the danger of us thinking that our partner is supposed to be everything for us and fulfill every need of ours, right? That our partner is supposed to be our emotional support, our therapist, our best friend, our adventure buddy, the best sex we've ever had, um, our number one cheerleader. Like we definitely, it is possible that we put too much on our partners. And one kind of way to check in with that is just to ask ourselves when we think through all of those things that we need, because those needs are still valid to want to feel supported, to want to feel right, like you have Um, outlets for all of those needs. We just want to think about, do I have who, who else in my community am I calling on, right? Am I really cultivating a tribe for myself that feels like I'm supported and surrounded and that I can, um, you know, reach out to a girlfriend or a parent or a therapist or my hairdresser or whoever to help me talk some things out or, or to be a listening ear, um, or whatever that is so that we're not making our partner responsible for everything that we
0: need. And kind of when it comes to asking for you what you want in love, like your first step being decide you're worthy. I'm curious, like, what was that moment for you? And what does that look like for your clients who, have been operating out of a paradigm that isn't working for them? Like, how do they kind of reach within themselves? Like, is it about getting to that moment where you're like, I've had enough and I can't do it anymore? Or what does it look like when somebody is able to really decide that?
1: Yeah, I think usually you're right. There is a breaking point. Um, It tends to be either after we have been in something that's really unfulfilling where, where, if we're real, real with ourselves, we feel like we've been accepting crumbs for months and months or years and years. Mm -hmm. Um, and we get to that point where it's just, we're we're just fed up. We just, it's not sustainable anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes it's after the point where I have a lot of women reach out to me who are like, my love life has been non-existent for three years. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've had this fear of putting myself out there and I realize that because of that, I'm the reason that I'm not creating the possibility of me getting what I want. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's a relationship ending. Sometimes it takes a relationship ending. I, I know that I, I was in a relationship where I really it's so hard when we're in the moment to even be aware of what's coming up for us. Like at the time I would have said like, yeah, I totally feel worthy and I'm asking for what I need. And it was only in looking back that I was like, Oh no, I actually was still dimming down my needs and overly accommodating and bending over backwards to try, to try to be easy for him so that this could work and he would stay right. And it wasn't until the relationship ended and I, processed and healed from it was really with myself that I was able to see. No, like that's never going to work. It is never going. We are never going to create a healthy, loving, mutually fulfilling partnership when one of us or both of us are hiding what we really need, what we really want. You
0: know, that's the thing is like who you are always wins. It's like, Mm -hmm. it reminds me of, um, and that's a chapter title in my book I'm writing. It's like, yeah, because I remember being like six years old and it's totally different, but it's all the same. And I hated sleepover parties because I was always uncomfortable. And there's always girls who would stay up later than me. And I couldn't sleep because I'm a light sleeper. I always knew myself deep down, even as like a six-year-old. I knew that when I said yes to a slumber party, I wasn't going to cut it through. And inevitably, every time three in the morning, I'd be calling my mom, asking her to pick me up, waking up the kids' parents to be like, "I need to call my mom," because it's like who I was always one. I already knew that this was for you know like that I wasn't gonna be able to hack that because that was just a yeah. limit for me. And so it's like even since age six, I have memories of like knowing that something was gonna, was not gonna work for me, and not stepping in until I was miserable. So how do we help everybody listen to that whisper inside of them or of, Oh, I actually need that. And what do you have to say about living in a world where growth sometimes is like advertised as a lot of pain to the point where people think, well, my, uh, that's why this is such a powerful relationship because you can't always get what you want. And I'm growing so much through that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I'm going to die. So like I so know that what anymore. you mean.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I so know what you mean. It's, it's a really fine line. I mean, it's pretty gray. You know, I've had this conversation recently with some girlfriends who are all coaches and we're like, yeah, we think about this a lot because for sure we, we want to, in order to grow, we have to put ourselves in situations that feel beyond our comfort zones Mm -hmm. and, and that trigger us in some ways and challenge us in some ways and invite us to look at our, what's my edge and how do I, Right. So how do I have a powerful breakthrough around this? And we also need to be really conscious of our own boundaries and what actually feels healthy for us and what feels, I I think the, the word here for me is Mm self-honoring. So it's like, okay, it it feels self-honoring for me to put myself in, you know, a situation that is a little anxiety-producing for me because it's outside my comfort zone, or because I've, I have an old wound around this. But I also really have desire here, and I feel safe. Mm-hmm. Versus, it it actually doesn't feel safe for me to participate in a in a in a situation with someone, date someone, or see someone who isn't willing to show up consistently for me or, or who, you know, if I'm expressing um, something that I need or a feeling or like something that, that felt bad for me and I'm asking for a request of for them to make an, an adjustment, like if they are like, if they tell me that you're crazy, mm-hmm. right. Or something like that. And I get triggered by that because of my past, I am not going to be like I'll just keep subjecting myself to that because there's growth in feeling triggered and feel no, Mm -hmm. that's not healthy for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not a safe person for me to be in relationship with. Yeah. Doesn't feel self honoring for me to stay in that dynamic or to dishonor that boundary of mine.
0: And like, I mean, so many people don't fully know themselves because that's what life is, is getting to know yourself. So it's like, we kind of learn what we want sometimes by not getting what we want. Uh And so I'm curious right now for the people listening who are kind of even struggling to figure out what they want from a partner, but they're not happy. Do you have any exercises or something that somebody can do right now after this, that maybe can come bring them back home into their heart and help them really find their voice? Mm. Yeah. I, I have two ideas for you. So one would be,
1: it can be really helpful to look back at our past, our past relationships, past dating situations, because like I was saying, we have so much more perspective looking back than we do when we're In the moment. So to look back and to actually write down, um, here are places where I felt, here, here are behaviors or places where I felt triggered, Mm -hmm. right? Meaning where I felt, um, that produced anxiety for me, where I felt really hurt, where I, that really pissed me off or annoyed me with someone. Um, and then you kind of go through this exercise where you write down, Okay, what was the thought I had when that person did that? You know, when, when people are, um, when people cancel on me at the last minute, like that triggers this thought in me that I'm, that I don't matter to them, that I'm not, right, safe with them. What's the fear at the root of that? Mm -hmm. What do I need? Like, what, if I could go back in time, what's the request that I have for that person? Mm. Oh, right. And, and that might mean, um, saying to someone, I, I really need to know that you're going to show up when we make plans because here's how it feels for me, right? Being, we have to express ourselves more vulnerably than we probably like to in order to really get through to people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if you're running late, I totally understand. Or, or like if an emergency comes up, I get that life happens in that case. Here's what I would need to feel safe. is like for you to just give me a call as soon as you know, and let me know. And For you to, you know, offer to reschedule Mm. so that I'm not having to wonder or chase you, whatever it is. Right. So we kind of look back or we're like, you know, when I have been with someone who, when I'm, when I'm sleeping with someone who isn't willing to, um, be upfront about whether or not they're sleeping with other people, Mm. like that actually doesn't work for me. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Right. So getting clear on what has not worked for you, what has not felt good in the past, what's the request? What do you actually need in those situations to feel safe?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so helpful. And, you know, I always tell people like you sometimes learn what your core values are when they've been violated. Yes. And yes. some people think, oh, I'm triggered. Like I'm, my nervous system's going insane. I need to work on myself. Yes. Sometimes that's true. But sometimes it's like, okay, if you're losing your mind right now, maybe there's a core value that you really, that's really important and you hold high that you're not aware of that's really the problem. So it's like Mm -hmm. taking a look at when you're upset, like what is that core value? Like, is it, is it your safety? Is it balance? Is it connection? Like, what do you really wish was happening that just got crossed? Um, Yeah. So helpful. Okay. And then the second step after deciding you're worthy was setting boundaries and standards. I remember you saying this before we started recording. So I'm curious, what does setting boundaries and standards really mean. And the word boundary, I, I think it's really interesting and I want to talk after the episode about barriers because sometimes people think a boundary is putting a wall up. And I think there's such a big difference between boundaries and barriers. You know what I mean? Like yeah. shutting off and asking for what you want. So um, how can someone start to think about how they can set a boundary and what boundary to set? Yeah, absolutely. So I I completely
1: agree with you. Boundaries are not walls. Mm -hmm. Boundaries are just the standard for behavior, the standard for treatment that we, that feels okay or not okay for us. Mm -hmm. Right? So we can, um, the first thing I'd say, one other quick little exercise I just want to give to, to anyone listening is if you're, if you're in something right now also where you're just not sure, you're like, what do I actually want or what do I actually need here? I would invite you to ask yourself, if i had no fear of how this person would respond right or if i knew that i could have things how i wanted them what would i want hmm. so we take the element of like where we're so tempted to to dim ourselves down and to say like but that might be too much or but i don't think he'd go for that or i don't want to scare him off if we took that out of it just for the sake of the exercise and you can really write down you know oh i would want i would want to see him, you know, three times a week. I would want him to spend the night every time we sleep together. I would want to, um, you know, I would want to get a little check-in text every day. I would want to, I would want for him to meet my friends,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? Like really being honest with yourself. If you could have whatever you wanted, Mm -hmm. that's a great place to start.
0: Mm, I love that. I love when we remove limitations in our mind, and then we come up with such better ideas. <laughs> right, right. It's
1: like, yeah, okay. I'm always asking clients, like, okay, what else? What else is that really what you want, or is that just like fine? Yeah. What do you really want?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is helpful. And boundaries, like boundaries. Yeah. What is that even? I mean, I'm in a really good relationship right now, and I feel like I'm getting what I want but it's almost like this conversation is making me be like, but am I, I think I am. <laughs> so well, how only you, what's the fine line of like optimizing your relationship and just kind of like nitpicking? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Because there is always more, there is always more. And like, that's part of the fun
1: is being like, Oh, what new desire do I have right now? Or what am I craving this week or this month? And that doesn't mean that that you need to have more in every single moment in order for your relationship to be awesome Mm -hmm. and fulfilling. Like there is the balance of we, at some point we have to let ourselves just enjoy Mm -hmm. the relationship. It can't, it can't always be work. Yeah. It can't always be like, well, what's next? What else can we be? We, or we actually, you know, sabotage our own enjoyment of the experience. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think like you were saying earlier, we, it's easiest to identify our boundaries when it, when a boundary feels like it's being violated or neglected. Mm-hmm. Right. So that might look like I have a client who it, who spends so much time with her significant other and, and they really love each other, a healthy relationship. And she's realizing that she feels either drained or resentful or, um just that she's not able to show up as her best self in the partnership when she isn't taking enough time for herself, alone time, mm-hmm. right? Self-care time, time with girlfriends, whatever that looks like for her. Mm-hmm. She is needing to reevaluate what's what's a boundary that I need to set here and, and really voice to my partner to say, hey, I love you and this is not about you, but I really need to have Sunday's to myself, Mm -hmm. like full self-care day. Right. Or I need to have two nights a week where it's just the expectation that we're not going to make plans. Mm -hmm. Um, Boundaries sometimes aren't, they're not just things we're saying no to either. Like I was saying, there's standards of how we, how we want to be treated. So sometimes it's something else that we need from someone. It's like, you know, I had a client who was in a situationship where um, the the guy she was seeing it felt too intimate for him just to, to sleep in the same bed after they'd had sex. So they would like sleep together, be intimate, and then sleep separately. And that actually didn't feel okay to her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That feels weird. <laughs> right.
1: Right. But but she didn't even know like she had really convinced herself, okay, well that's his need or like that's his boundary. And sure, that's that's what I'm saying about we <laughs> we can't, when we voice a need or we voice a desire or a boundary and when she, if she back then were to say to him, this actually doesn't work for me in order for me to have a, um, you know, safe feeling, juicy, physical relationship with you. I need to know that we're going to spend the night together. I need to be held after. I need to share a bed or whatever that looks like. Um, he gets to say, actually, that doesn't work for me. This is my boundary. Mm-hmm. And that would be a, a moment of discovery that they that those needs are incompatible. Mm-hmm. And that's why it feels so risky for us to voice, to, to speak our truth, to ask for something, because yeah, there is always the possibility that that person is going to say, actually, that, that doesn't work. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And then we get to do the dance of, Okay, is there some middle ground? Is there some room to compromise here so that we can both feel good because two humans in a relationship are never going to have identical needs and preferences and boundaries and all of that, you know, or is this actually a conflict where we're not both able to feel safe and fulfilled and loved and and get what we need together because we're, you know, we're just not a great fit.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, it's like everybody has their boundary and then everybody has a response to a boundary. Does it work? Does it not? And it's like, I've never trusted a relationship that of two people that aren't willing to risk their relationship, you know, for what they want. Yeah. yeah. And I think so many people are afraid to risk the relationship when it's like the relationship's already over. If you're afraid to risk it. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're, um,
1: every time you said something earlier that made me think of this, like every time we are honoring someone else, trying so hard to make someone else comfortable or make someone else happy and putting their needs before our own, we're dishonoring, we're, we're abandoning ourselves. That's how we end up losing ourselves in relationship. Yeah. And it's like, great. You find yourself a few years in and you still, you know, quote unquote, have this person but you don't have yourself. You're not really available yeah, yeah. to be fully seen and loved and, and to fully participate in that experience. So totally it's, it's really, um, I mean, that was a really tough realization for me after years of realizing that that's kind of how I was operating. It was like, you know, do everything I can to make him happy. And then I get to have him. And then it's like, well, where am I in this equation?
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, and ha- do you have any communication tools for somebody that is taking that step right now? And they're like, you know what, I'm going to set a boundary. Cause the thought of, I found that working in information all these years now, it's like, or the business of information, it's like, one of the biggest struggles I see people having is how to start a conversation or how to step into Mm -hmm. a conversation. So do you have any tools for anybody right now that is like, you know what, this is a problem for me. How do they start expressing that? Yeah,
1: totally. So, um, step one would be asking the person getting their consent to have this conversation, right? So you're like, Hey, I, I actually really wanting to talk about X, Y, Z. Do you have, um, 15 minutes right now for us to chat about this, you know, or is there a better time for us to connect? So rather than kind of springing it on someone and just launching into it, because mm-hmm. you want to make sure that that person is actually available, not distracted, not buried in work. Right. Yeah. So to have this connection, the second thing I would say, this is one of my favorite tools is if you're feeling really nervous, uncomfortable, you know, afraid, whatever it is to bring it up, actually voice that, like, let the person see you in that vulnerable spot. Right. So you can lead into the conversation by saying, Oh, I don't know why, but I'm feeling really nervous Mm -hmm. to express this to you because, you know, I don't, I don't want you to feel, um, like, let's say this is someone who's, who is actually treating us well and who cares about us. And it's just, there's something that that isn't feeling good that we haven't voiced yet, right? So we're like, I'm feeling nervous to bring this up because I, um, I really don't want you to think that I don't um, appreciate you. Or, yeah, it's just scary for me to like ask for something because I've had, I've, ha- I've been with people in the past who weren't receptive to that. So, but I'm, I'm practicing, right? Like I'm gonna, I want to share this with you. And what's the intention? Like I want to share this with you so that we can actually deepen our relationship and, and both feel even better moving forward. Mm-hmm. Right. So the intention, whenever you share a need, a desire, a boundary with someone, it's, it's such a gift to that person and to the potential of the relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. That And I think also it's an immediate diffuser when you tell somebody like, this is challenging for me. Yeah. Cause people yeah. like, will tread softer when they understand that you're extending yourself for the relationship, you know? Right. Absolutely. Okay, great. And so when, let's say the boundary is like, I want to spend more time with my friends or the boundary Mm -hmm. is, um, I feel like I'm giving too much and I want you to start like paying for dinner. Like, let's talk about money. Mm. Like what if somebody feels like they're paying for things all the time and they want that, that feels like so loaded. It's like, you're asking for boundary and it's money. So how can somebody navigate? Like, can you give us an example of how that would sound ideally?
1: Yeah, totally. So, um, again, I would start by saying like, Oh, this feels, this is really, this feels really sensitive to me to bring up because, um, it feels really loaded because we're talking about money. Like I would name all of that. Yeah. Right. So that you're not having to dance around it. We can actually just be humans and be like, Oh, this feels so awkward. Um, you know, and, and the last thing I want is for, for you to feel like, you know, XYZ, whatever the fear is, whatever the worry is that when you bring this up, it's gonna, you know, how that person's gonna respond. Um, and then I would say, I would say, so, so let's say the situation is that I'm paying for more and maybe it's because I, maybe it's because I'm making more, right? Maybe like I have more of a budget to spend on Life. meals out vacations or whatever. Yeah. Um, right? So I'm like, I, you start with something that's positive in your partnership, right? You're like, I, I love that you are like up for having these adventures with me and going to nice restaurants. And, um, and I'm actually comfortable with the fact that just given our, our financial situations right now, um, that this is something I have more of a budget for that. I'm, I'm happy to spend more on X, Y, Z. I also realize here's, here's where we can take responsibility too. I realize that I haven't voiced this to you before, right? Like I realize that I've been withholding sharing this concern Mm -hmm. or voicing this. Mm -hmm. So that's where we take responsibility. Mm -hmm. And then we say the, the, the tough thing for me, right? Like here's how it feels for me. I'm realizing that as I'm the person who is, um, you know, consistently picking up the bill on these things, it starts to feel to me like, um, like I, and then whatever the thing is like that, that I'm not getting taken care of the way that I want to be, or I find myself feeling a little bit resentful or like, I'm like taking advantage of, right. So really naming, like, what is that bringing up for you? Mm -hmm. And then name the desire. So we always want to come to these conversations with essentially the solution, like what we want, the positive thing, like what would feel so good to me? What I would really love is if, and here's the solution. Maybe it's, um, if once a week, you know, you would plan the date. It doesn't have to be an expensive place. Like I actually love to go to like a divy bar or, um, you know, some casual place doesn't have to break the bank, but for, for you to actually plan the date, make the reservation, pick me up and pick up the bill so that I get to feel fully taken care of on those nights. That would feel so good to me to receive.
0: Okay. Can you repeat those steps for everybody taking notes? Like you don't have to go into the details, (laughs) but like the first one, what go ahead to ask. Yeah. So
1: step one would be let them see your vulnerability or or like the discomfort of bringing this up for you. If that's true. Mm -hmm. Um, asking, getting their consent to have the conversation, like making sure they're truly available for the conversation at that time. Mm -hmm. Starting with a positive about them or the relationship, like acknowledging something positive, Mm -hmm. taking responsibility for your part in this issue. And, and maybe that's just that you haven't brought it up because you felt too awkward, or you've been avoiding the conversation, Mm -hmm. taking responsibility for that is it's actually not fair to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Saying my goal with this conversation is for us to both X, Y, Z feel really good at the end of it. Bring us closer together, deepen our relationship, deeper, deepen our intimacy, right. How it's really serving both of you mm-hmm. name the name, the scary thing to name. Like when this happens, here's how it feels for me. Great. And then, and then name the request, the desire, the potential solution.
0: And I loved how you said, I would just like, so love to receive that. I think that's such beautiful communication. When you just say, this is what I would love because everybody yeah. wants to give you what you would love. It's just like placing a really good dessert order. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. Like, I would just love some chocolate cake. And if you could res- give me that, I would just love to receive it. It's a beautiful way to communicate. I think. Yeah.
1: It, it feels so good to someone to know how to provide for you. So they don't have to guess or read your mind or like, because if you just leave it at like, here's, what's not working, that person's going to be like, you know, using this example, Oh my gosh, I can't afford to suddenly pick up all the bills or take her to these fancy restaurants or whatever. So you're actually just giving them really specific. And this is important with all communication, especially around conflict, really specific requests of here's what I yeah, here's what I need. Here's what would feel so good. And then the final step is you want to ask them, what do you think? Right. Does that feel doable for you? Mm -hmm. How does that feel for you? And then you sit back and you give them space to share, to be heard,
0: to be seen. Great. 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 I love when you say, what do you think about that chocolate cake? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. And then kind of going back to are steps to ask for what you want. So those are like the micro steps of like how you set your boundaries. So the first thing is deciding you're worthy. Maybe you ever, maybe somebody listening is like, you know what, now, that, and you know, I was kind of asking you like, what if it's not about worthiness, but a lot of people have that. So maybe they're deciding now I'm worthy. And then it's about setting boundaries. They don't know what boundaries to set. And then they kind of reflect, like we were talking about on moments that they didn't get what they wanted and how they felt. And then they can kind of find that desire in that moment. Okay. Um, and then they follow these micro steps. They're going to go ask their person um, for them. Um, so that's like how to ask for the six scary things. That's the emotional bravery, which was your third step. Uh Um, and then follow through follow through can be so challenging I'm so curious what feedback you have for anybody listening right now that might struggle to follow through on this like I feel like you know it's like exercise I just joined a gym and it's like god bless the fact that I went four times in a row I was so motivated and here I am avoiding it right now on this podcast yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah yeah. follow through is Tricky. I mean, one thing I'll say, this isn't really part of the step, but I'm just going to throw this in is having community, having whether that's just like a couple close girlfriends, whether that's actually being part of a program or something where you have people who are seeing you in what you want and, and seeing you through this whole process who are able to check in with you and be right. To help you feel supported, accountable, whatever that is, rather than doing this in isolation, I think is really, really important. Great, great, great. Yeah. And then, you know, I would say, listen, there's a difference between if you, if you set a boundary or you ask for something that's like, um, where someone was not treating you well or where like, let's say you ask someone for, I'm going to go back to the example of my client, like for someone to, to spend the night with you after having sex and you're like that's a hard boundary like that needs to happen and you voice that to the person and they are like either flat out say no i can't do that i'm not here for that or they're like yeah 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 and then they make excuses next the next three times and leave um the follow-through on that is probably gonna look it's, it's probably pretty cut and dry right it's like if that's actually a need of yours and you want to honor yourself And you want to make sure that you are in something that feels really healthy for you. You're going to want to follow through on ending that relationship or at least changing the terms of that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I know that's not easy and that can take time and there's no judgment around like doing it the next day. You know, I've certainly stayed in things well beyond (laughs) knowing that it didn't feel totally self-honoric, but you know, that's what follow through could look like there versus if it's something like our example about you're in this healthy, loving partnership and you're expressing a need or desire, which, yeah. So, so if you are, if we're talking about an example where you're in this loving, committed partnership and you're voicing a need or desire or a boundary, which is going to happen Always like that is part of healthy partnerships, right? Um, the follow-through around that might look like, okay, that person has said, I hear you, and I wanted and I'll try to do that. And then we actually need to be willing to not have that be a one and done conversation. We're probably gonna have to remind that person. It's probably gonna be an ongoing conversation, mm-hmm. right? Of like positively reinforcing when they when we see that they're putting an effort on that thing. Um, letting them know in the moment if something isn't feeling great, reminding them like, oh, hey, babe, like here's where I, um, you know, here, here's where I'd voice the boundary of like when I get home from a crazy work day, I actually really need to take 30 minutes to myself to decompress before we catch up. And then, you know, you come home and that person is like, ah, be with me. And we might have to follow through on it, rather than, than just giving in or being like, oh, they didn't listen we're always teaching people how to treat us. We're always training them. Mm -hmm. So reminding them being like, you know, Hey, babe, just reminding you, here's where I asked for this 30 minutes. So I'm actually going to go do it, you know, take a walk or sit in this room. And then I'll reconnect with you at six 30.
0: Love it. Okay. This has been so helpful. And for those of you who have been taking notes, you know, the four key steps are decide you're worthy, set your boundaries, ask for the scary things, and follow through. And setting boundaries also is about setting your standards. So we kind of went through the steps of asking for the scary things and the follow through. Um, Evan, this has been so helpful. I know a lot of people are gonna be using it. Where can everybody find you? Yeah, I am Evan, E-V-I-N
1: Rose, pretty much everywhere. So at Evan Rose on Instagram is where I hang out most of the time. Um, I have a private Facebook community for women. So any women out there or female identifying, want to join that's empowered dating with Evan Rose is the Facebook community. Um, and you can reach out to me on, on Facebook or Instagram, um, or, you know, my website, Evan Rose coaching, if you're wanting to connect, I'm always happy to.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I am so excited for this to come out and thanks again for being here.
1: Yay. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey there, this is Ashley, founder of Ashley International.com and CakePublishing.com and I was just so inspired to talk to you about inspiration, of course, which is one of my core values and one of my favorite topics, and I found a lot of inspiration in a conversation both with one of my private coaching clients and this past week, I decided to go skiing after avoiding it for five years. And the reason I avoided it was because I was in ski school uh, ever since I was a little kid. And my, my parents put me in ski school. And usually the second half of the day when I was out skiing in Mammoth in California, my whole family, which is like 20 people between the aunts and the uncles and the cousins, we'd all ski together down the slopes. And... Always it was the case that my uncles, they're adrenaline junkies. They would want to ski down really hard slopes. And I ended up getting really traumatic memories from it because there were a lot of times that I would have to go down slopes that I didn't feel were at my experience level and felt like I was going to fall down the mountain, which sometimes I definitely did. Thank God for helmets. (laughs) Um, But what I learned was that, I mean, first of all, I told my family. I remember the day my parents reminded me. I threw down my poles when I took a really big fall into a heap of snow and I said, I'm never skiing again. And of course, as one would have it, five years later, here I am. I just spent a weekend skiing in Mammoth after avoiding it because somebody wanted to go. And I just felt like, man, you know what? Let me see how this feels. And one of the inspirations that I got from this was Really questioning why I step away from things. Do I step away from things because I don't like them or because I'm not good at them? And so that's something for you to kind of look at. Like, is there something you avoid doing in your life? Is it because you don't like it or because you're not good at it? Is there somewhere you want to go in your life? Is there an adventure you want to take in your life, but you're just not doing it because you're not good at it or because you haven't taken the time to become good at it or because you just don't want to do it at all? So what I found when I was skiing was that the person I was with, he said to me, you know, if I were you, I would master this. And I said, well, why? What's in it for for me to master skiing? Like, it's not something I do all the time. And he said, well, I try to master everything I do. And in in talking to him, I realized mastery was his core value. That was his primary motivation. He is motivated by the concept of being a master and mastering what he's doing. I, on the other hand, am motivated by inspiration. I'm never motivated by mastery. So if somebody comes up to me and says, you're going to be the best whatever in the world, I'm I'm not really motivated by that. But if somebody says, you are gonna be so inspired and this is gonna move you and you're gonna be so connected to this, I am totally motivated. So. What I did was I created a vision for myself around skiing, and I was inspired not to become a master at skiing, but I was inspired to overcome this feeling of giving up when I'm not good at something. And I've leaned into taking ski lessons and doing all these things because I've just noticed how much skiing has been something that I've run from because I'm scared that I'm not good at something. I'm not going to look good. I'm going to look wobbly, which I definitely look. (laughs) And that vision of really rising into a higher version of myself someone who's more fearless really inspires me so i want to invite you now to really think about your own inspiration you know in my case i get really inspired to write when i am in rainy cities Um, i know that about myself there's certain music i listen to that i get inspired by And so I want to take this moment now to ask you, like, who inspires you in your life? Is there a person that you feel opens up creative channels in your mind? Or where do you go to feel inspired in your life? Is there a city? Is there a coffee shop? Is there a restaurant? You know, where do you go? And what can you do to feel more connected to yourself? Because self-connection is so sacred. And for you to not feel connected to yourself, that means that you are going to keep creating results that aren't in alignment with what you really want. Uh, I was listening, like I said, a while back to a lecture by Dr. Brene Brown. She talks about how we are the most segmented and sorted society there ever was. And I remember mentioning this to you. She said, more than ever in history, we go to bed and wake up next to people who look just like us from a data standpoint. And yet, despite all of this statistical alignment where we all look the same on paper we are the most disconnected and lonely generation there's ever been people are reporting higher levels of loneliness than ever before and the reason that i think this is happening personally is because we make decisions out of alignment we do what we think we should do from the mind and we don't connect to what we want to do from the heart And i think it always starts and ends with the heart so the question i want to ask you now is this Where can you go to find inspiration? Who can you spend time with to be inspired? What can you do to get connected to yourself? And I would really invite you when you're making decisions in your life, especially in your career to first start with feeling connected to yourself. Ask yourself, am I in my mind or am I in my heart? Because most often it's the case that you are going to make decisions that really line up with who you are when you're coming from your heart. And so with that said, I'm signing off. I'm sending you lots of inspiration, lots of love. And I'm thinking of you. I'd love to hear what you think of this at Ashley Stahl on Instagram, on Twitter. Yeah, I'm just so grateful to be here with you. Take care.